0: your championship listen to this crowd Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond here's Grant McCauley Hello again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and it's time for a very special episode of the show as we preview the 2021 World Series. That's right, the Atlanta Braves prevailed in six games over the LA Dodgers. And with that, the Braves find their way into the World Series for the first time in 22 years as they match up against the Houston Astros, the champions of the American League. To help me go through the preview for this series, I've got one of the great Braves of all time. Dale Murphy is going to join me on this episode of From the Diamond. And before we jump into that, I want to make sure you know all the ways to be connected with the show and to follow all of the excitement that's happening right now around the postseason as well. You can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please leave those ratings and reviews. They really help out the show. Make sure you're following along on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Grant McCauley. You can find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter and at From the Diamond on Instagram. Of course, you may know by now I have started a brand new show. It's called Battery Power. New episodes each and every week and every single day throughout the playoffs. I'm doing that with my friend Corey McCartney and with the good folks over at Talking Chop. So if you want to get every episode of Battery Power, make sure you subscribe to the Talking Chop YouTube channel and turn on those alerts so you don't miss an episode and if you're looking for a great place to get every episode of battery power every episode of from the diamond of course and any articles and other videos and content and things i can send your way from the is the place to find it all and joining me right now to give us a preview of what to expect from the atlanta braves and the houston astros and the world series is longtime braves great dale murphy Uh, Murph it's always great to talk to you and when we get to talk about the World Series down here in Atlanta that's an awful lot of fun and we haven't done it for quite some time so I appreciate you taking some time to join me.
1: Absolutely Grant yeah you know I didn't make any predictions but I felt good about this team Mm -hmm. I just felt good the way they were playing and kind of the underlying uh, I guess storylines if you will of this team and mostly just the way they were playing i mm-hmm. love the way they finished and and now they're here the world series i just just like a fan really excited really love this team
0: yeah a lot of excitement around the braves both for the fans and of course for the club itself this is the first world series appearance since 1999 so we're in a whole new millennium here well we've been here for a couple of decades but in search of that first title since back in 1995 You touched on it a little bit, and I know you were around this club, throwing out that first pitch at the NLCS, and a lot of fanfare there. I love the way that you did that. You had all the jersey changes, you had the pearls going, all that good stuff. So spending a little bit of time in the ballpark and around this club, and of course watching them, uh, what has impressed you about this Braves team? What has them knocking on the door of perhaps the first World Series title in over a quarter of a century?
1: I gotta say first of all, uh, on the first pitch, I appreciate my son's Jake idea of wearing someone else's jersey, and then I I kind of expanded on that, and that was a lot of fun. And I got the Pearl idea, of course, from Jock Peterson. And so it's a great atmosphere. I appreciate the chance to be a part of the NLCS. So that was a lot of fun. Um, You know, I just think the one thing is they're better than people think they are. You know, they Mm talked about the Dodgers. uh, They beat in the NLCS with playoffs 109, 110 wins. Right. Uh, 100 whatever they had during the regular season, but uh, the Braves just were playing really good and getting good pitching and good defense as always. They play really good defense, and I think uh, I just like the way they were playing. I like the fact that you don't always want to go in as an underdog, but it does kind of relax you a little bit. I mean, what they went through during the season, losing players and the trade deadline and, and getting players and You know, they've just been playing nice and loose, and that's important at this time. And just playing well, I mean, down the stretch, is it kind of seems with a lot of sports, if you're playing that last month of the season, you're playing really well. It's going to be really good for you in the postseason. We, in 82, which is my only frame of reference, we weren't playing that well the last two or three weeks. We are playing okay, just kind of hanging on and got swept in the playoffs. So we just weren't on a big roll, you know? of momentum and confidence and that's a tough way to go into the playoffs and i think the braves have gone into this postseason in a in really good shape uh, frame of mind mm-hmm. uh, mentally psychologically and and physically
0: yeah they definitely have i saw buster only of espn said that since the trade deadline which of course is something we'll get into the braves have the best record in baseball and that seems like an arbitrary point in a 162 game season but as you said there's something to be said for playing your best baseball coming down the stretch and rolling through october And this Braves team has just felt like a club that somehow, some way, has been able to overcome injuries and struggles and inconsistencies to become one of the best teams in baseball at just the right time. But I have to ask, and I think everybody at some point has been kind of wondering this and trying to figure out, maybe pinch themselves to see if it's real. But are you surprised that the Braves are heading to the World Series in a season where they lost Ronald Acuna Jr., and not to mention a slew of other players? This just feels like an improbable run for this club.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know, like most fans, I was probably halfway through the season thinking, well, this is probably not going to turn out the way we right. want it to. I mean, you'd love to, you know, see into the future. And, and again, we all say it all the time, but that's the beauty of sports. Uh, that's why they play the games, all the cliches. But baseball is just one of those sports that, It is really hard to predict on a nightly basis what's going on inside the club. Mm -hmm. Remember that stretch where they were trying to get over 500? Oh, yeah. One, one, lost one. I mean, how many days did that go on, Grant? That went on
0: for about three weeks, and I've never seen anything like that. And I've watched a lot of baseball. You've played a lot of baseball and watched a lot. That was just peculiar, bizarre. I don't know what the word for that was.
1: Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, You know, now looking back, I guess what we learned from that, this is a really good club mm-hmm. because a really bad club would have 1 1, lost 3, 1 lost 4, you know. But right. getting over 500 is a good psychological, just, you know, for a team, you know, you're like, we're having a winning season. So here they were for three weeks, kind of on the edge of, are we good? Are we, what are we? I think what that showed us in hindsight, is that this is a very, very resilient, and resilience is the key to anything we do in life, but especially a baseball player. you got to forget yesterday, and just your at-bats, your game, you've got to learn and then go forward. Right. So I think what we saw there was a team that, it's in their nature just to put it behind them, mm-hmm. and they're just going to keep plugging away. And I, I've always give a lot of credit to Brian Snicker and the coaches, that's... And the players, they attack each day. And then what happened is they got on a roll. What they win? Well, nine out of ten, whatever it was. Yeah. Got a lead, and they just kept playing really well. But I think the existence of a good mindset, uh, I think, was evident back there that win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Because I think right there they could have gone either way.
0: Yeah no it felt like a a pivoting point for the team because you did have to find out what you are and of course the executive that's running the club in this case Alex Anthopoulos he kind of needs to know what this club is as well in order to figure out what he needs to go out and get or if perhaps maybe this is not their year and they're not going to be able to overcome all of the things that they have dealt with over the first three four months of the year but as the story goes Alex Anthopoulos got creative at that trade deadline a little bit before the trade deadline and bringing over Jock Peterson. But then revamping the outfield, making deals that would help give this club a chance to win. And as you said, and I don't think it can be overstated, the importance of the way that Brian Snitker and his coaching staff has this club prepare each and every day. I think there's a work ethic that goes with it. I think there's a commitment that starts uh, perhaps with Freddie Freeman, as we know he is a guy that works extremely hard and has that same expectation for everybody else. But there's a culture thing that some people might dismiss because performance on the field can really outweigh just about anything else. But I think that the Braves' performance on the field can be tracked back to how they dealt with the adversity and got over the hump and finally got on that roll because it's pretty easy, I think, at some point to maybe stop believing in yourself if the results aren't there, right?
1: Absolutely. And that's the test of an individual player is being able to bounce back. And, you know, we always say, well, can you bounce back from an over 4, over 8? I mean, just the recent example of Freddie bouncing back from over eight and seven consecutive strikeouts. Now that might've put me into a funk for (laughs) a good month, (laughs) uh, in NLCS, but being Freddie, he popped out of that and worked at it. And I just, you know, Grant culture trumps everything. It just does in anything we do. The culture trumps talent and pressure Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'll say culture and chemistry yeah, yeah. just trumps everything else. It doesn't guarantee you a World Series championship every year, but what it guarantees you is that you're going to get the best out of yourself and your club okay. if the culture is right. The players have probably the ultimate responsibility, but when I hear one of the bullpen pitchers, might have been Matzik, you know, we just go out there to be worthy of the trust that Brian Snicker puts in us. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that tell you? It's not a rah rah thing, especially in baseball, because it's daily. we got to go out there daily. It's, I'm going to ask you to do something where yesterday you might have messed up, but I believe in you. Yeah. And I'm going to put you out there. And that player is motivated because the management and Brian Snitker and the coaches actually literally put their trust in you. We think you can do it. And that's motivating to go out there and prove them right. And so it's culture. It trumps everything. It absolutely does. Uh, I just really believe that. And I think this year, the Braves, the perfect example. It's better to have the highest payroll and best players that you could get. But baseball's is 162 games of things you just never know are going to happen.
0: Every club's going to have a little bit different thrown at them when it comes to what they're going to overcome and what their story is going to be in that particular year as they're writing it. But I think you're right. I think chemistry, if you'll pardon the scientific pun, is kind of the building block of life. It's also kind of the building block of a good team. And before we jump into the full-on World Series preview, I do want to flash through a few things that I saw in the NLCS. I'm curious to get your uh, thoughts on this. And it's not just the fact that the Braves won a series and beat the Dodgers, but Murph, I felt like it was the way that they did it. You had the walk-off dramatics in Game 1 and Game 2. Then they went out to Los Angeles, and they were really one bad inning away from sweeping the Dodgers right out of the postseason. And this is an 88-win Braves team that toppled a club that walks into spring training as basically the hands-down favorite to win it all every year. But here we are talking about the Braves heading back to the World Series. It seems pretty crazy. It seems pretty improbable. But this is what Atlanta has been building over the last four years. And I think chemistry is probably at the root of that.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of went into the playoffs you know, glad we're in the playoffs. Let's hope things work out, but we know we're really building for the next 5 years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in the World Series and uh, you know, we don't have a etc. cetera but yeah, the chemistry, it's just I think Jock Peterson, you know, I've been telling people if I came back to play, I'd come back as Jock Peterson and <laughs> and well, today's players are a lot looser than we were, but sure. you know, we just I enjoyed it. I want everybody to know I enjoyed it. I played hard, but it would have been better for me if I just loosened up a little bit, you know, I was tight as a drum. And I remember someone told me that Robin Young said the same thing. He says, if I came back to play, I want to come back as George Brett. Cause George Brett had a lot more fun. I mean, here's the guy, Robin, Yount, still got 3000 hits yeah. hall of famer, but George Brett had a lot of fun, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's what chemistry is though. It's, You can't have all the same type of player. A GM has to say to himself, I like this kind of player, Mm -hmm. but when I pick this kind of player, I don't know, but I kind of like what he could bring in a different. uh, He's got to be open to the possible reactions to the chemistry, bringing in a different personality. Mm -hmm. But what you got in Jock Peterson was someone who's just loose and performs, especially in the postseason. And so that's the way a team's built. And, yeah, it, in baseball, it's really hard to predict exactly how things are going to turn out. And you got to buy the Dodgers. I thought it was going to go seven, but they won a couple games. I thought uh, Bellinger came up with an improbable free-run home run yeah. to keep them going. So it's fascinating to look back. It really is
0: yeah there were a lot of highlights for the braves in that series couple of lowlights the bellinger home run of course made it more of a series and atlanta had to i think dig down and go through that gut check and figure out what they had on the other side winning the series in six games over the dodgers now eddie rosario is your nlcs mvp and for good reason he batted 560 with 14 hits to tie an lcs record three homers nine runs knocked in in the six game series a go-ahead home run that came in the sixth and deciding game and Murph this was a guy who wasn't even on the roster until the trade deadline then he had to rehab for basically the month of August just to get back to the big leagues but you want to talk about pushing the right button at the right time Alex Anthopoulos certainly did that with Rosario among the other deals but well the foresight that must have gone into trying to get the quantity and the quality that is what helped the Braves to overcome not only the loss of Ronald Acuna Jr but rebuilding their entire outfield and bringing in the right kind of personnel
1: It's textbook, really, Grant, when you look back on on how decisions are made. It would be fascinating to, you know, have been a fly on the wall, as they say, on all these discussions. But, and I've said this a few times, if I were to start an organization, I would get the best scouts I can have. I'd start there, then I'd go to my minor league instructors. The scouts, I specifically heard on Solaire, for instance, the scouts watched him. They felt like he turned a corner and that things were going to get better from there on out. Yeah, Got him at the trade deadline, and he was great for the rest of the season. He's been a great addition. Uh, Matzik, we kind of know his story, but what a story it is. Oh, yeah. Performance anxiety. The scout that recommended him to get signed was persistent with Alex Anthopoulos that we got to sign this guy. And Rosario, like you said, wasn't on the roster, ends up being the NLCS MVP. All those kind of decisions. And I think that's what comes down to the, one of the beautiful things about the game is, and a lot of people are worried about it, that in the last three innings, you don't necessarily always have the bat in your best hitter's hands. Or you can't turn the game over to your best pitcher, necessarily, because of the way the lineup goes and it just rotates. Mm-hmm. But that's where I think we get the stories from that are just incredible. Matzik, Rosario, Soler, Austin Riley, who last year probably had a season where we're all like, okay, how long is it going to take him to figure this out because he's got that potential, figures it out really quickly, picked up the slack where we needed some offense. I mean, all these stories, although Freddie Freeman had a big home run and, you know, did his thing, it's just a game that lends itself to these great stories and people, not necessarily frontline players, being heroes. Yeah, It's an incredible thing to watch. That's how, what I think is one of the really attractive things about the game.
0: Yeah, it makes it a lot of fun. And this story that's being written has a lot of different characters that are playing big roles for the Braves. I think one of the crazy things about Rosario being so big in the NLCS was his opportunity to play every day was really cemented or at least helped by the absence of Jorge Soler when he landed on the COVID IL and that may have been the ultimate silver lining to losing a big hitter and this kind of echoes with what they had to deal with even in replacing Ronald Acuna Jr who's irreplaceable in and of himself with one other player but when they brought over some layers of depth they were able to plug in another proven slugger and get Rosario's bat in there every day and it just so happened that he's more locked in than just about any other Braves player in postseason history I'm struggling, and even thinking about the Braves run through the 90s and into the early 2000s, to come up with another hitter who had that kind of series, maybe Javi Lopez in the 96 NLCS. He had a huge series, and that's who Rosario was being compared to, but it's a short list for guys that have put up that kind of offense in a short amount of time, and he did it against the best team in baseball.
1: Well, he had 14 hits, right, and I think Mm -hmm. he's tied for the most hits in the NLCS. Is that right? Or is yeah. it 14 oh, yeah. in all the playoffs? Yeah. Just what can you say? And, and so Lair, you know, is out Rosario. just it, It's just a great story. I, I don't know how to else to say it, except that's what baseball lends itself to is this opportunity. I don't think we saw this coming, but mm-hmm. it sure has been a lot of fun to watch and, you know, credit uh, Rosario for being ready to go. I mean, that's another thing. If you're not playing every day, You've got to push yourself. You know, I may pinch hit. You know, I may do this. You're pushing yourself, you know, and then you don't get to play. You're pushing yourself. You're pushing yourself. Be prepared. Be ready. And, you know, Solaire goes down with the COVID thing. I mean, I think I texted you, Mm -hmm. and I said, hey, what's up with this? You know, what's going on? I was like, oh, no, this couldn't have happened. And then it's just – you know, Rosario comes in and just sets the world on fire. So it's just the nature of the game that is just incredible.
0: Yeah, and it felt like that having Soler go down like that was going to be a harbinger of bad things when you thought about the Dodgers waiting for the Braves on the other side. And it turned out to be pretty much the exact opposite. Now, they're happy to have Jorge Soler back. He is back with the club now. But kind of circling back in on Rosario, and I know you brought up Tyler Matzak, but while Rosario deserved that most valuable player award, and nobody would say he doesn't, the Braves bullpen, which spent the summer really getting blasted for giving away some games I don't think anyone could have expected this group to flip the script the way that they have in October those guys have been outstanding as a collective as a group but I think that Tyler Matzek is writing the best chapter in his amazing comeback story right now lights out again in game six with some huge strikeouts to help seal that game and I can't remember and I don't know if you can another Braves reliever that has been that kind of dominant the way Matzak has been Craig Kimbrell's about the only one that comes to mind, maybe closer version of John Smoltz. But again, Murph, we're talking about a short list when it comes to the kind of performance we just saw, but the name is not the one that you'd expect.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Like you said, there may have been some we you know, have to look at. And But like you just said, the people you mentioned, it's a short list. If there is something like it, he's the only guy on the list that was out of baseball because of performance wow. anxiety. You know, it's an inspiration to fans and to players. And and being a player that went through performance anxiety early in my career, it could be a devastating thing and a career-ending thing. And, uh, and then to just come back, like you say, and do what he did against the Dodgers and as a group. I think you're right. Someone asked me earlier, you know, what are the keys? I don't know. I said, you know, the bullpen to keep doing what they're doing because first half of the season it wasn't exactly stellar. No. And then I think we got to get some offense. I think the Astros can score a bunch in a, in a hurry. So, but the bullpen, you're right. I mean, matching the Dodgers bullpen was just an incredible thing in this NLCS.
0: It's an MVP move in and of itself. If it's a group, if it's Tyler Matzak, who whatever the case is, it's been impressive to see what the Braves have done out of the bullpen to back up their overall starting staff and give the Braves a chance to win, give the offense a chance to win each and every one of these games so now that we've talked a little bit about the lcs let's get into this world series thing And, and we know a lot about the braves from how the postseason has played out thus far they've beaten the brewers a team with great pitching they've beaten the dodgers a team that was built to win it all annually and now atlanta goes to face an astros team that can score some runs the most in baseball during the regular season they've already put down the white Sox and the red Sox to get to the world series but they're also a team that strikes out less than all but one other club all season long so not only are they powerful or potent as an offense but they don't swing and miss quite as much as some other clubs houston finds its way back to the world series after the controversy that marred their 2017 title win it's three times in five years for the astros even if the circumstances are a bit different now and i know you and i have talked about this a lot over the last couple of years and we could certainly waste a lot of time on it if we wanted to but everybody already knows the narratives that are kind of circling around or following the astros around and will for some time But that being said, this is a club with a lot of holdovers from those days, but you can't take away from the talent, particularly in their lineup. Murph, I guess there's just no shortage of storylines and matchups for these two clubs, but what would you say stands out the most when you put the Astros side-by-side with the Atlanta Braves here in 2021?
1: I did an interview earlier today, and I said, I don't know the offensive statistics for the the Astros, but I imagine they're pretty good. And what you just said, obviously a lot of runs scored and fewer strikeouts. Now, that was one thing I definitely didn't know. So... The thing that would concern me as a Braves fan is their offense and their defense. I really like their infield. I think this is a team, an Astros team, that has the underlying "We're going to show the world,
0: yeah, how good chip we on are." Shoulder, yeah, it,
1: yeah, we're we're going to rewrite this script. You know, we've taken some abuse, which they brought on themselves, <laughs> and that right. which you know. They may never be forgiven or forgotten for what happened in 2017 with the stealing of the signs. And so I think they're really motivated. I think the Braves have a great motivation as well because they, again, are a team that's not ignored, but you know what I mean. It's oh, yeah. like, well, they've kind of been fortunate. It, the Braves are a really good team. I mean, they're a really good team. They weren't the first half of the season, but they are now. So what would concern me is some of the motivation for the Astros in that offense. I think we can counter it. I love Charlie Morton going first game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like our staff. I really do. Mm-hmm. Again, can you imagine it with Soroka? Oh. Uh So I think they exceed the Braves a little bit in the potential offense. Can we score a bunch of runs? Yeah, we can. But the Astros have done it over – you know 180 games however many games uh, they played the playoffs so that concerns me
0: yeah no I think it should so let's talk about how you stop a good offense from scoring and that of course is with the good pitching that you want to see in October and I do think that the Braves when you look at these rotations are set up with a better top three with Charlie Morton who you mentioned gets the ball in game one the former Houston Astro you got Max Reed you've also got Ian Anderson who bounced back a good bit against the Dodgers even though he had a shorter night in game six as the Braves lifted Anderson and then scored the runs they needed just to get to the World Series. Sticking a pin in that and moving it off to the side, though, the Astros don't have one of their best weapons. They don't have Lance McCullers. They do have youngster Framber Valdez, as well as Luis Garcia. They got the veteran Zach Grinky. When you look at these two rotations, I mean, are you with me, or who do you think has the edge when it comes to the three pitchers we're most likely to see starting games for these two clubs?
1: I like our starters, I think we match up well. You know, it'll just be a matter of our guys getting through the first couple innings, you know, getting settled. I think that's a, a good pitcher's uh, a sign of that you get through the first inning. You know, Glav uh, is notable for having really tough uh, early innings. But that's yeah. you've got to get through that if they don't get out to a quick start, if you can get through the first uh, jitters of the first couple innings. I like the way we match up. I don't have a problem – Matching up there, uh, we're just going to have to not pitch from behind. Mm-hmm. That's always a key, but especially to a club that puts up runs and doesn't strike out that much, because you're not going to be able to strike them out if you're pitching two oh two one three one. This is not a club like the Yankees where you're going to run into a strikeout. Can't plan on it anyway. Yeah. I think with the Yankees lineup, you can kind of plan on it. So I'm, I'm definitely going to get one of these guys, but. You know, that's why the Astros are here. So, yeah, so that concerns me a little bit, but I like the way they match up. Uh, I could give us a little edge. I think Charlie Morton's been lights out. I mean, throwing the way he's thrown at 37, I think, uh, years of age, thrown in the mid to high 90s, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, and he had that gut check start out in Los Angeles where his first inning, nothing was going right, but he was able to buckle down, get the Braves through five, and have a chance to win that baseball game Max Fried, meanwhile, has had some good starts in his postseason career. He had a bit of a rough one last time out against LA, but I think that's going to be added motivation in bouncing back and facing the Astros. And I like Ian Anderson a lot. So I would give the edge to the Braves in rotation. When it comes to the bullpens, though, I feel like something Atlanta has been able to do that's obviously been successful is lean on some of its best relievers. It's Matzik it's AJ Mentor, it's Will Smith, and they piece together some other ounces needed. But Murph, I looked at these stats and the Braves relievers miss a lot more bats than the Astros bullpen does. And they remade that bullpen at the trade deadline too. So I think overall, the pitching really feels like it does favor the Braves, at least on paper and in the all too important recent performance, that momentum that they bring into the series. Yeah, that's fascinating
1: to know how they're pitching now. And again, like you mentioned earlier, how we all kind of were wondering about the bullpen. It's fun to go into a series with the edge. I mean, the best pitching is what's going to win uh, over the, the, the long term, and it's nice to know that we have a slight edge there. It's a remarkable season, again, and a great story how this has all come together for the staff. Yeah. The pitching staff is, is just an incredible job. It's going to be fascinating to watch. You know, give us the edge with a complete pitching staff mm-hmm. and give uh, Astros a little edge offensively. So it's it's going to be a great matchup.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about Eddie Rosario raking his way to an NLCS MVP. The Astros have Jordan Alvarez, who hit 522 against Boston with 12 hits of his own, knocked in six runs, scored seven more. Plenty of good hitters around the diamond for the Houston Astros, whether it's Alex Bregman or Carlos Correa or Kyle Tucker. They've got some guys who can swing the bat. We peel back the layers of these two lineups, and we see two clubs that they know how to hit. They know how to hit some home runs. They know how to score some runs. I feel like it is an evenly matched offensive battle, but you do feel like the Astros, maybe with their ability to limit strikeouts and having scored as many runs as they did, you feel like they have a bit of an edge on the Braves? Yeah, a bit.
1: Uh, Certainly, I didn't know that statistic about their strikeouts. So, yeah, in postseason play where the pitching is better, you've been scouted you know, a few situations here and there where you make contact, it could be the difference. It, it, it just is. That's the way, you know, it is in postseason baseball. I think that, you know, it's interesting to see, uh, teams running a little bit more. Yeah. Whereas during the, the, uh, regular season running is deemphasized, but in the postseason, you know, stolen base here and there and contact here and there could be the difference. Yeah. So, Slight advantage there. I mean, I, I like I said, I didn't realize that. And, you know, when you hear the number of runs they score and striking out less than both teams, that's a dangerous combination for a seven-game series.
0: No two ways about it. So the Braves will have their hands full. They were able to score runs as they needed against the L.A. Dodgers. And to Murph's point, the strikeouts kind of plagued the Dodgers, especially in that game six when Tyler Matzak came in and, and just threw a big bucket of water on anything they were thinking about doing late in that game so as we've sized up the pitching staffs we have also sized up the offenses a bit i want to get your thoughts on dusty baker a guy you know who has a long and distinguished career in baseball first as a player now as a manager he of course began his career with the braves came up in the 1970s a teammate of hank aaron even on deck when hank broke the home run record in 1974. i say all of that to say that this is a series i would imagine has a special place for dusty baker in particular in the wake of having lost Hank a little bit earlier this year,
1: yeah, Dusty's uh, a great person. I uh, let me see. I was my first spring training was seventy five, and Dusty was still there with the Braves. You know, very personable, fun to be around. Whether you're a, a veteran or a, a rookie, always outgoing and, and happy to see you. You know, I went into the clubhouse once when he was with the Nationals and. You know, he, he was it's was just like uh, I've been talking to him every day and then he he'd be like, Oh if you're gonna meet this guy and he'd tell one of the coaches, Hey, bring so and so in here, bring so and he brought in Bryce Harper. I had met Bryce before, but he mm-hmm. goes, You gotta say hi to Bryce and there were a few guys he just wanted me to meet. I guess the main thing is Brian Snitker and, and Dusty Baker are two guys that get a lot out of their players because mm-hmm. they're easy to play for. It's motivating to play for these guys because they're fun to be around and they treat you with respect last time i saw dusty personally was uh he hadn't got the astros job but i was at a, uh, a building they dedicated in hank's name atlanta technical college and hank was there and and uh, ralph gar was there and dusty was there and gary matthews was there and they invited me i'm like yeah wow. absolutely i'm gonna go and then afterwards we went to hank's house and they had lunch and <laughs> sitting around with Dusty and Ralph Garr. Oh, man, that was just a great time. But Dusty's always he's always great. He's just always happy to see it. And so, I, you know, I'm happy to – he's easy to pull for. Mm-hmm. He really is. Uh, of course, I'm pulling for the Braves and will be much happier. But it's hard not to be happy for Dusty. And I think, yeah, to be able to play the Braves and, and with Hank's passing just recently – uh, I think there's a lot of things on Dusty's mind. It'd be a fun time to win uh, back where in a city where he's got a lot of memories.
0: Yeah, most certainly. And that's the interesting thing about baseball, no shortage of storylines. I thought the Dusty Baker thread was an interesting one. Of course, Brian Snitker's son, Troy, is on the Astros coaching staff, so you got a family <laughs> yeah. tie there. I'm sure that's going to make it interesting as far as the rooting interests go in the overall Snitker household. So we're not going to play favorites there, but that certainly means a lot to their family but having the dusty connection and then, of course, everything that we've talked about with these two teams and their road to the World Series all brings us to this. It's a little prediction time, and I'll go first here. I'm feeling, Murph, that this World Series is going to go the distance, a seven-game series with the Braves outlasting the Astros. Uh, who do you have here, or are you ready to make that prediction?
1: Yeah, I, I'm going seven games. I just do not see – I think the uh, Astros have a little edge. I could see why they – Maybe the 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 front runners here. Uh, you've seen the Braves play a lot more than I have, but I've seen them enough to know that there's a lot more going on with this team than an eighty-eight, you know, team win that kind of sure. stuck in. This is a really, really good quality team that plays really good defense. Uh, so I'll I'll agree with you. I'll I'll make that prediction. I think it was going seven, and and I think it's the Braves' year.
0: All right. Well, Braves in seven for me, Braves in seven for Murph as well. And I think we've got you pretty much all set for a World Series. It's going to be memorable one way or another. It should be must-see TV, and we're looking forward to it getting started on Tuesday night out in Houston. He's Dale Murphy, of course, longtime Atlanta Brave and Braves Hall of Famer as well. And Murph, I appreciate all of your time here on the show and talking about not just the World Series, but uh, some of, I guess, the connections that you have with this game with Dusty Baker, and I always enjoy hearing your insights on this, so I thank you for joining me. Thanks so much, Grant. Anytime, uh, I think it's going to be a great series. My thanks, as always, to Dale Murphy for being so gracious with his time as we preview the 2021 World Series and got a bird's-eye view, I think, of some of the great storylines we've got heading into the Fall Classic, which begins on Tuesday night. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to From the Diamond, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave your ratings and reviews. Be sure to share it with a friend. If you like what you've been hearing here, we enjoy giving it to you, and those reviews and those shares help out the show a lot. Follow along on social media. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Grant McCauley. You can follow Dale Murphy on Twitter and Instagram at DaleMurphy3 is where you can find him. You can also find From the Diamond on Instagram, at From the Diamond, on Twitter, at From the Diamond, with an underscore on the end. Also, I've got those daily videos going up throughout the postseason. Battery Power is the name of the show. Myself and Corey McCartney of Talking Chop. You can find us each and every day as the Braves march through the World Series and their battle with the Houston Astros. All you have to do is subscribe to the Talking Chop YouTube channel and turn on those alerts and you won't miss an episode. So that'll put a nice tidy bow on this episode of From the Diamond. It's an exciting time to be an Atlanta Braves fan, as for the first time since 1999, the Braves are in the World Series. So we'll have a lot to talk about here on From the Diamond, as well as over on Battery Power. Again, make sure you're subscribed, turn on those alerts, don't miss an episode. My thanks to Dale Murphy for making so much time today, and I look forward to talking to all of you next time, right here on From the Diamond. Until then, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.